No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Ezekiel receives a vision of the slaying of the idolaters in Jerusalem, but those who mourn over the abominations are marked and spared. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ezekiel chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. The prophet Ezekiel had a vision in which the Lord took him to Jerusalem, where he saw various idolatrous abominations happening in the temple. Because God's people were doing these things and they refused to repent, God would now pour out his fury and he would not relent. We continue in Ezekiel chapter 9. Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a rider's inkhorn at his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. So Ezekiel had seen these various abominations going on in the temple, but now he hears a voice calling forth these six men who had a deadly weapon in their hand. Now, who are these six men? They come from the north gate into the inner courtyard there before the temple, and it would seem that they were angelic beings with the responsibility over Jerusalem. Now, we know the scripture teaches that there are actual spiritual beings that are over various cities. So why wouldn't there be these guardian angels uh, over the city of Jerusalem? But they are tasked with the responsibility of bringing judgment here. There's also a man clothed in linen. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a minute. But they are all gathered there beside the bronze altar. The bronze altar was where, of course, they would offer their sacrifices. It was a place of judgment where sin was judged, but also a place of mercy for atonement was made for sin there at the bronze altar. Now, the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. Now, what Ezekiel is seeing here is he's seeing the glory of God moving out of the temple and He's going to move completely out of Jerusalem because he cannot stand to be there where idolatry is happening. And so it's a very sad thing to see the Lord actually leave his people. But that's what is happening. And so he begins by moving from the most holy place above the cherub there at the Ark of the Covenant where the Lord dwelt and moving to the threshold of the temple. And then he calls to this man clothed with linen who has the scribe's inkhorn at his side. So he's able to mark things, okay? And he says, mark the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry. 
So he's going to go through and mark the foreheads of these people, and these people will be spared from the judgment and the slaughter that is going to occur. Now, why are they marked? It's not because of what they've done. It's not even because of what they have believed. In this case, it is simply because they sighed and they cried over all the abominations that were being done within the temple, within Jerusalem. They were vexed in their spirit, we might say. They were troubled by it. They were mourning. They were weeping. They were feeling terrible that all of these things were going on unchecked. And I can relate to that because I look at what's happening in our nation today and there are so many things going on and it seems many times, what can we do? I mean, we can pray, we can vote, we can stand for what's right, but still there's so many things that we feel completely powerless over to change. But notice here, God takes note when we sigh and we cry. He looks at our heart and he sees the broken hearts that we have over such things. This morning we had a prayer meeting and at that prayer meeting, the whole theme of it turned to just praying for people that we know that don't know the Lord. And there were tears. There was weeping going on as God touches our hearts with his heart and crushes our hearts over the condition of people. And I also see that there's a need for our hearts to be crushed over the situations going on in our culture today. God took note and sent this man with the inkhorn at his side to mark their foreheads. Now, who is this man? We don't know. <laughs> Could be an angel. Some say they uh, believe it's Jesus Christ. I even heard one commentator point to him as being the Holy Spirit because he's marking them. And of course, the Holy Spirit marks or seals believers. But whoever he is, he's clearly someone God is using, a supernatural being to not physically mark, but spiritually mark these people who sighed and cried over the abominations that were being committed. Now to the others, he said in my hearing, go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. Then he said to them, defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed in the city. So everyone who did not have this mark would be killed. Now, this reminds us very much of what happens in Revelation chapter 7, where John has a vision of what will happen in the future. And there are the four angels holding back the four winds, and they are told not to harm anybody until 144,000 of the Jews from the 12 tribes are marked or sealed, uh, and they are spared from these cataclysms that will be coming upon the world. So very similar to what will happen in the future. Now, the judgment began at the sanctuary. Yesterday, we saw that between the bronze altar and the portico of the temple, there were these 25 priests who had their backs to the temple and their faces toward the east, worshiping the sun. These were priests who should have been interceding for the people 
Instead, they were worshiping the sun. And so the judgment begins with the elders who were before the temple, to whom much is given, much more is required. And Peter said that judgment begins in the house of God. Then he also said, defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. There's no greater defilement that could happen to a temple or shrine than to fill it with corpses. But this was just a sign that God was done with the hypocrisy and the idolatry and the spiritual adultery going on as they had played the harlot with these other gods and forsaken him. So it was that while they were killing them, I was left alone and I fell on my face and cried out and said, Ah, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnants of Israel in pouring out your fury on Jerusalem? Now, Ezekiel had a tough gig. I mean, he had hard words to say And yet he said them with great love. And I am of the conviction that the harder our message is, the more it is important that we deliver it in a spirit of love. Ezekiel's heart was broken over what was going on. He loved his people and he hated to see this judgment. And so he fell on his face and cried out and interceded saying, Ah, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel in pouring out your fury on Jerusalem? Now, that is the role of a true prophet of God, a true follower of Jesus. We ought to be interceding. Amos, the prophet, interceded. He says in Amos 7, The sovereign Lord showed me a vision. I saw him preparing to send a vast swarm of locusts over the land. This was after the king's share had been harvested from the fields and as the main crop was coming up. In my vision, the locusts ate every green plant in sight. Then I said, O sovereign Lord, please forgive us or we will not survive for Israel is so small. So the Lord relented from this plan. I will not do it, he said. So here's an example of the prophet of God interceding and God relenting from the judgment he was going to bring in. So, uh, you know, Ezekiel's doing the same thing here, seeking to intercede for the people. And we should take note of that. Then he said to me, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. And the land is full of bloodshed and the city full of perversity. For they say, the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. And as for me also, my eye will neither spare, nor will I have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head. Just then the man clothed with the linen who had the inkhorn at his side reported back and said, I have done as you commanded me. And so God's assessment here, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. First, Israel went into captivity for their idolatry, and now Judah would go into the Babylonian captivity, had already started to go into Babylonian captivity, but now Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed because her iniquity was exceedingly great. And they said the Lord has forsaken the land and he does not see. They use this as justification to worship their idols, saying that the Lord doesn't see, he doesn't care, he's forsaken us, therefore we're going to go after these other gods. So God said, I will not have pity. I'm done. 
I'm not going to turn. I'm not going to relent. Even though Ezekiel was now interceding, God said, I will not have pity. It's too late for that. And at that point, then, the man clothed with linen returns, having done his job of sealing the people who had cried and sighed over the abominations. I do believe that there is a great lesson for us here. I look at our culture today and I don't see any hope other than a spiritual revival. And as I said, there's so little that we can do really to change. We should do what we can to change. We should be salt. We should be light in the world. We should stand up for what is right. But I do believe that there's a lack of this kind of intercession and especially in the house of God. We who are those who serve the Lord, we need to be interceding for our nation like Ezekiel did, like Amos did, like Moses, and even Jesus weeping over Jerusalem uh, because God can change things. God can change hearts. I can't change hearts. You can't change hearts, but God can change hearts, and he does so on the wings of prayer. So I just pray that we could all just join together and begin to intercede and pray that God would have mercy, pray that God would turn the hearts of the people back to himself, that he might bring a spiritual revival to our land. We desperately, desperately need that. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at office at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and please leave us a review. Tomorrow we will see where Ezekiel sees the same chariot throne with the cherubim and wheels that he saw 14 months earlier. As he watches, the glory of the Lord departs from the temple. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Ezekiel on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.